Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. Back from a long weekend, you're all rejuvenated and you're looking forward to May and all that it might bring. And you're thinking, this is the month I'm going to start my business. Yes, I want to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to make it happen. I have no idea how I'm going to get started. But let's start with a coaching session for you. Why not? What if the real reason you can't start that business that you've been thinking about for the last couple of years is something invisible but has power over you? And that is your self-concept, how you think of yourself, how you think of your ability to grow and to change and to develop. How can you really change something if you don't realize what that is in the first place, what your self-concept is. That's the heart of a book that I understand grew out of quotation from the lyrics of Bob Dylan from 1965 who said all I can do is be me, whoever that is. We're reading today, start with who? The managing partner of the coach partnership. Marcus Marsden is the man behind the book. Good morning, Marsden. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Yes, great <laughs> quote. One of my favorite quotes. <laughs> so the book, I understand, is wrapped around the ideas of Camus as well, who you read and studied at Oxford University. Tell us a little bit about how this book challenges conventional thinking in the worlds of performance and coaching. Well, a lot, a lot of the what you call conventional thinking is very much like, OK, here's what I need to do. I need to find out what I want mm-hmm. and then I need to decide why I want it. And then I then it will then it will be fine if I know what if I've got clarity on the what and I know why I want it then I can just go do it and I and that is certainly an important part but well, the piece I would add to that is this piece about who you've decided you are so it's as much about the who as it is the what and the why. That's interesting because I think we're seeing it a lot in in Instagram and social media, you know, even heads of companies displaying more of who they are, the personality coming through. But really, this is part of an equation that you say will help us um, make what we want happen in business come to life, this idea of getting to know our our own self-concept. Yeah, very much because... You see, it's interesting you talk about social media in particular because a lot of what people post is often how they think they should be seen or how I need to be seen or how I want to be seen. Mm. But actually, when I, you know, if I'm doing, and I do a lot of one-to-one executive coaching with some of those people that you're thinking of who post on social media Mm -hmm. and and their private conversation is very different, which is, you know, these successful entrepreneurs that we all see and the chairman and the chairwoman and they have their own personal doubts and insecurities just like everybody else Mm. Uh, and a a big part of being successful is learning how to work with those okay I like that because I think that example right there shows that you don't have to have this personal self-concept that is devoid of doubt or devoid of, um, uh, you know, sort of reservations and fears. You don't have to be perfect to start with and have that perfect self-concept to be successful. No, exactly. I love the way you've put it. It, 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 That's exactly it, which is, this is another piece that we really challenge in the book, which Mm. is it's not about trying trying to be perfect or trying to rub out some kind of negative beliefs or anything like that, or unlearning, you always Mm. say about unlearning. It's not that, it's like, Okay, so I have some beliefs about mm-hmm. myself. Maybe, you know, you often hear people talk about imposter syndrome and things like that. I'm not good enough or I'm not smart enough, right. et cetera, et cetera. There's nothing wrong with, see, the way I approach that is there's nothing wrong with those beliefs. 
I know it sounds a little weird, but you see, there's nothing wrong with those. It's, it's when you believe that they are facts. And that's what a lot of people have done. They've had those beliefs since very, very young. And, and so they hold them like they really are facts. And so life becomes a frantic attempt to disprove those facts. Mm. But in fact, they never were facts. That is interesting. That is interesting. When you have such conviction in the box that you put on yourself in terms of what you can do and what you can think of uh, and how, how much you can achieve. Okay, what does this book tell us about the role of identity to begin with? The role of, the, of identity is critical because mm-hmm. it, identity is an example of what I would call a, a context. Um, and I'd, as you said, you put it very well earlier on when you said it, it's kind of invisible, you can't see it. But it really frames what, what everything that's possible. So if I, for example, let's say I have a belief that I'm not as smart as other people. Now, that's not something I go around necessarily telling everybody, mm. but I know that's something that I hold for myself. That, is, that kind of invisible belief is going to uh, influence how I then go on to interact with other people. Mm-hmm. And typically with that kind of belief, one of two things shows up. Either I frantically try and show how much more intelligent I am than everybody else by proving it, Mm. or I just shrink away and try to hide it. And neither of those is going to be a great, you know, effective long-term strategy. So once you get hold of that sense, once you are aware that, oh, this is actually what I think of myself, if you want to change the outcomes that you've been seeing in your life that may have grown up from that, what do you Mm. do? Then that's really in the second half of the book. And what the book then then kind of shifts into is, okay, so what am I going to do about that? Now I can see that I have some of those beliefs mm-hmm. and those beliefs are okay to hold. I don't need to get rid of them or unlearn them. They're not bad in any way. The second part of the book then focuses on, okay, so what kind of beliefs do I want to start creating about myself? And this is where you, everyone's probably heard, you know, you've probably heard of this concept of authenticity. And if you think about that word authenticity, the word is linked to author. It comes from the Greek authentikos. Mm. And, and that gives you the clue, which is that's up to you. That's where Camus comes in. It's like that's up to you to kind of declare and create that, like, it, like an author would create that. The, the, you don't have to go and find yourself or anything like that or discover yourself. You create it. And so that is a big part of it, saying what kind of – you know, leader, for example, or entrepreneur or businessman or businesswoman do I want to be and then go create that. And then there's some pieces in the book about how you can go further with that to, to, to reinforce those beliefs. All right. So I understand the book uh, grew out of a synthesis, you say, of the ideas of Camus, who you just mentioned, an existential philosopher, the lyrics of Bob Dylan. But you also mentioned this third piece of mark, brand identity that um, you received while working at Unilever. Tell, tell us how that has worked into the book. <laughs> well, it's very, it's very, it's just the whole experience of writing the book, which mm-hmm. was very interesting. And it, I know we're talking to a lot of kind of entrepreneurs and one of the entrepreneurs here. And I would say it's a little bit, writing a book is a little bit like creating your own business. So the business that I run now is also a, you know, a small, small business that we've create, I've created with a team over many years uh, and it's that kind of synthesis of different parts of life and history and then what you how you bring them together so what you said those three key pieces for me are are very important and brand identity although I didn't know it at the time certainly figures it, it's the same principle which is 
if you've done any marketing work or any brand work, it's okay. So what do what what do I want this brand to be known for? How am I going to create that? What are the reasons to believe that? What heritage is there? What do I? What's the impact I want to create in consumers' minds? And so although we tend to think a brand identity and personal identity is very different, actually there's a lot of the roots are very, very similar. So, you know, you're, you're a coach, you're managing partner of the coach partnership. Help us understand sort of um, the, the kind of self-beliefs people have or self-identities in the, in the area of entrepreneurship that hold people back from achieving the kind of success they could be gunning for. Oh, it's an interesting question. I, I think there are some classic beliefs that show up for people, whether it's in entrepreneurship or in business in general or in life, to be honest, which yeah, often, set, often do center around people's, uh, let's call it, do they, do they believe that they can really achieve it? Do they believe they're really deserving of it? And see, money, money, if you think of money as linked into business and entrepreneurship, that might not be the only reason to be an entrepreneur, but it's certainly going to be a part of it. If you think about your beliefs about money, money, relationships, those kinds of big, deep-rooted things, they, those beliefs start with you when you're very young. And when you're very young, you're a, you're, you're a kind of little sponge. You don't have a big supercomputer that you do now on the front of your head. And so you're looking up at mum and dad or whoever brought you up, brothers, sisters, teachers, etc., and you're just sponging it all in, and you start to form beliefs. So, for example, about money. Money is bad. Money is wrong. I need money. I'm nothing without money. Money is everything. You know, there's so many different kind of beliefs that people form about, about money uh, that, drive, that drive people's desire to be an entrepreneur. Indeed. Uh, what did writing this book bring up for you in terms of your own sense of self-discovery? Um, that's an interesting question. I think what I really discovered about myself is how I really enjoy the process of bringing different elements together. And they, the three in particular that you've mentioned in terms of my own history. And I think that, would, that really does link into entrepreneurship in the sense of, you know, what, what, everyone has a past. Everyone has different elements in their past. And how can you best leverage that to create whatever it is that you want to create? And then for me, in this instance, it was the second book. So I actually wrote a first book with my wife called Fit to Lead. And that was a different process. And this one really builds on that in terms of personal development and professional development. Uh, and I, I think that 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 I think really shows up strong for me, which is wanting to kind of synthesize different elements. I'm a big believer in that. I wonder if you can help us understand the the core idea of this book. In the book is filled with case studies, right? So can you share maybe one or two case studies about how this whole idea of starting with who, if you do start with your self identity, how can that transform your capacity to produce results? Okay, so let's link, let's link it into one of the case studies that's in the book, which is around health. So health and well-being obviously has been on top of a lot of people's minds in recent years. And one of the things that often comes up for people is as I'm, as I'm doing whatever it is, whether I'm an entrepreneur or I'm a manager in a business, what often happens for people is their sense of professional success becomes linked into who they are, who they believe they are in the world. And you often hear people's language give that away. If I ask people to say, well, who are you? How do you know? 
and then their response is often things like, "Well, I'm the marketing director, or I'm a, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm the entrepreneur, I'm a, I'm a startup guy, or whatever it is." Mm. And as soon as you hear something like that, you you can hear it in the language, which is their their very sense of being, their very sense of self, is tied up in their job. You know, I'm the founder, mm. a common one nowadays. But if you think about it, you're not. You see, this is this is one of the key distinctions. You're not the marketing director. You're not the founder. You have a job called marketing director. You have a job called founder. That's a role that you play in your life, but that's not who you are. But for a lot of people, that is critical. And one of the things that showed up a lot, and we do a lot of health and well-being coaching around this, which is in COVID times, a lot of people, for example, sadly lost their job. And a lot of this mental stress and, and pain and suffering that people encountered mm. was that they didn't just lose their job, they lost their identity. Right. You see, and that's a whole different level to suffer at. And I think a lot of what's happened in, in these kind of COVID times, people have really had their very sense of identity challenged because their sense of identity has become linked to whether it's their job or what they do to earn money or their status. You know, I used to have a corner office and now I have to do now I have to work from home. You know, those kind of things, it's very easy to get linked to who I am and my worth and my value in the world. And it, so I think the recent years has really been a, a big mirror for a lot of people to look into in that sense. So I don't know if you've watched the movie King Richard, um, which is about Richard Williams, the real, the father and coach to Venus and Serena. Have you watched that? I haven't, but I know this, this, I know of the story. So it's an absolutely brilliant film, right? And and what struck me was this sort of parenting, and you see it from you know maybe people around you as well. You know, mothers who have this absolute conviction that you can be anything in the world that you want to be. In the case of Richard Williams, who coached Venus and Serena, he he put the seed in their heads that they were going to be the greatest in the world. And and they did become, <laughs> of course, the greatest <laughs> in the world. Well. <laughs> There's something about parents who hold that space for you and, and say, you know, you can be anything in the world that you want to be. And you see kids growing into all sorts of possibilities from there. I wonder, is there anything from this book that you think parents can take? <laughs> well, uh, speaking as someone who doesn't have any children, <laughs> have to take this with a grain of salt. Uh, I think, I think it's a sense of possibility because out of a sense of possibility comes curiosity, comes wonder, comes exploration. And I think those things are, are beautiful. If I think I was very, very lucky in terms of the, the upbringing I had, if I talk about my own experience as a child. Mm. Uh, and I think what I really got is my mom and my dad and my stepdad, I got from all three of them was a sense of you can absolutely, there's lots of possibility for you. You can be, you know, we'll support you. We want you to be healthy. We want you to be happy. Mm-hmm. You can, it was almost like if you, you can be anything you want to be, but then it was like open brackets. And if you, and if you don't succeed, it's okay. Close brackets. That's so great. Not, not open brackets and you should be a lawyer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Thankfully, no one said that to me. But um, I do think that's important. I think, and I think another thing that comes up for kids in particular, and, and you know, but it's true. It, honestly, it's true in business, which is looking at what happened. How how okay is it to fail? Because that's one of the most crippling things I see in in business, in entrepreneurs, in businessmen, business women. Yeah. Uh, you know, which is their attitude to failure. Yeah. 
Mm. And that is something that you learn very young. Typically, you do learn that. You, you bring that into your, you know, your sense of being very young. And some people experience, some people go for it and, you know, they, they're okay with, let's call it failing. And some people are not. And, you know, and it really shows up in different ways and it, it creates very different outcomes. I'm speaking with Marcus Marston, who is the author of Start With Who? Uh, and he is also managing partner of the Coach Partnership. You know, in this realm of self-help, you you have a lot of people who are hungry to keep watching that next YouTube video and pick up the next <laughs> self-help book because they're convinced that they have to somehow inculcate the same beliefs that their role models do. They want to be like uh, Richard Branson, so they read everything about Richard Branson and they try to inculcate whatever he thought about himself and, and, and hope that that blueprint's going to work for them as well. What is your book say about um, you know mindsets are there mindsets and beliefs that we do have to sort of all stand in uh, in order to make our dreams come true at a certain level the Richard Branson level you know or is it something else completely that we have to get about our, our sense of self I think it's uh, I'm a big fan of you know I love you know YouTube videos reading books etc that's all great mm-hmm. given I've just written a book it would be crazy <laughs> for me to say otherwise and it's the start point. It's not, it's not going to give you the answer. You know, I always, I always love to say that uh, if, you know, if, if giving people tips and, you know, and then telling people how to do things worked, we'd all be walking around with six packs and, you know, bulging biceps, but we're not. You know, it doesn't work like that. These kinds of challenges, whether it's around health and well-being, whether it's about being a leader, an entrepreneur, a founder, you know, though, all of those kind of things – they require a sense of an understanding of who who you've already decided you are and who you've decided you can be. You see, I can, let's take Richard Branson. Let's just say I read Richard Branson and I read everything about him, as you say, and I look for all the tips and everything great. And I write them all down. I go, okay, great. Mm-hmm. You see, what tends to happen is then we filter them. And this, ha- this can happen consciously or unconsciously. And as I'm, so I can see that maybe I've got Richard's top 10 tips. And what happens is as they come through, it's like coming through a, a filter or a shredder. And I go, yeah, okay, that was okay for Richard. But, you know, well, he was British and I'm Singaporean or he's a man, I'm a woman. And mm. yeah, well, that was 30 years ago. That's today. And so what happens is I start to find justifications and reasons, all of which can have some elements of, you know, veracity to them. But what I'm really doing is just I'm, I'm wanting to create the same results from within my own comfort zone. And that, that's one of the big pieces of, of the book, which is to start acknowledging where you're putting your own limits and then, then being willing to say, okay, now what? what where, where, do I, where am I going to be willing to grow and develop rather than just kind of consciously or not push aside other other ways of uh, believing other things of other things I could believe about myself. I think that's so interesting, and I think you know a, a lot of how we create comes from this invisible part of us. If it was as simple as I just get the blueprint from what I can cribble together about how Richard Branson thought about himself, and then if I try to act more you know, flamboyant, more confident, more gung-ho, that's going to get me there. But I, I mean, my, my, my hunch is that we create from this 
invisible part of ourselves that's difficult to describe. And I wonder as a coach, say you come across a person, as I have fairly recently actually, uh, CEO, incredible person who out of the blue just told me, you know, I have, I, I don't think much of myself is at all. I don't think I belong at, at, at the head of the table when I, I'm at a board meeting. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing there. I feel like a footstool. And that shocked me. <laughs> Absolutely shocked me. Uh, so what do you do if you, you're dealing with, with a leader who's all, you know, who seems to have a very um, diminished concept of self, doesn't think very much of himself, thinks he's an imposter to, to you know. Yeah, I mean, it's very honestly, it's a lot more common than you, you and maybe your listeners would believe. Mm. Uh, you know, and I think social media, as we said earlier, is kind of fed into that. Uh, and you see, for me, that's one of the start points for me, which is there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. You see, mm. let's call it, I mean, even in the name imposter syndrome, you know, you can kind of hear it, there's something wrong with it, it's bad, you shouldn't feel like that. But actually, See, see, when I'm coaching people, I'm like, okay, that's great. Mm-hmm. So, you, so you feel like that. You've got that assumption about yourself. You, you believe that you're not as smart as, you believe that you're not as successful as, or whatever it is. But okay, rather than spend our time trying to fight that, mm. trying to prove it wrong, trying to rub it out almost with the blackboard eraser, kind of rub it out, rather than do all that, let's focus on what do you want to believe about yourself? What, what do you want to create when you walk into that board meeting? Let's focus on that. Let's not focus on what you've de- why you've decided it won't work. Let's focus on what you do want to make happen. And then, then very importantly, you, that's when some of the second half of the book has some strategies to support that, which is enrolling people to be on your team, such as creating small wins, Etc. So there are some practical pieces in the book about okay, what do I? How do I work with that? Once I've got these new beliefs, how do mm. I? How do I sustain them? All right. Well, this is fascinating, and I hope people pick up your book for those uh, concrete <laughs> tips, Marcus. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you very much. It's been great. Marcus Marston is managing partner of the Coach Partnership, and we've been reading "Start with Who," his latest book. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg. Or download our audio app, that's A-W-E-D-I-O, available on Google Play or the App Store.